Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Moms. This is Dorothy Polarski speaking. I'd like to welcome each and every one of you as you're um, signing on today. I wanted to assure each and every one of you that are signing on that uh, Teresa uh, Tomio is here. She is with us. We're having a little bit of uh, technical difficulty getting the video going. Um, but she's she she is with us. Teresa, do you want to say hello to everybody? Sure. Ciao, Bellas. I'm here. I, you know, it's one of those things, Dorothy, you and I know this. We've, we've, we've been friends for years. Spiritual warfare always kicks in. Something happens. But I'm here with you voice-wise. And it's kind of like me doing another radio show. But I'm so excited to join you. And thank you for having me on to talk about the Everything's Coming Up Rosie book. Yeah, I'm really, really um, excited that you're able to join us now. Um, you're in Italy right now, is that correct? I am. Yes, I'm, I'm uh, doing a couple of different projects. Deacon Dom and I are um, doing a number of uh, really detailed pilgrimages where we're really trying to help people learn how to live kind of off the beaten path. And so we really take it very personally. And so we're examining all the different places we go, handpicking the restaurants. And, and it's, it's very personal for us because we really feel it's it's part of the whole pilgrimage journey. So we're adding a few new cities onto the itinerary. So we decided to come and spend a few weeks and examine some of the sites. So we're gonna be going to, this is a trip I'm doing in the fall with Deacon Dom called the Dolce Fide, uh, the Sweetness of Faith. We're going to Todi, which is a famous spot for one of the papal martyrs. We're going to Viterbo, uh, the papal conclave city. We're going to Assisi for St. Francis, Greccio for the first crash, Rome, Orvieto. So it's gonna be an amazing trip, but we're investigating a lot of different sites, so yeah. Yeah, no, so it's uh, it's great that you're able to join us. And for those of you that are signing on, I know that some of you in the chat box are mentioning, no video for Teresa. Yes, uh, we're having a little bit of uh, technical difficulty, but um, you know, uh, there's always, <laughs> there's always, always something. So always an obstacle in ministry. Um, anyway, for those of you that don't know Teresa, um, some of you are are new to Midday Moms and maybe new to, um, you, you know, you haven't become familiar with Teresa's work. Teresa is a syndicated Catholic talk show host. She's the author of numerous books. She's an... In hey, there I am! <laughs> I don't know what happened. I think it was the prayer. So I'm here. Yeah. yeah. So happy to see you. Yay. Um, so, um, so she's the author of numerous books. Um, she has more than 30 years of experience in TV, radio, and newspaper. Um, she was a, an anchor in the Detroit uh, media market. Her weekday morning uh, radio program called Catholic Connection is produced by Ave Maria Radio in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and is now heard on over 500 radio stations worldwide and on the internet through the EWTN Catholic, Catholic Radio Network. Um, Teresa appears frequently on EWTN. She co-hosts co the EWTN television series, The Catholic View for Woman, and she is a field reporter for their annual March for Life coverage in Washington. 
She's been featured on The O'Reilly Factor, Fox News, Fox and Friends, The Dr. Laura Show, The Dr. James Dobson Show, and Midday Mobs. <laughs> Yay! That's the most important one, Midday Mobs. <laughs> um, I fell in love with Teresa a number of years ago when I read um, one of her books called Noise, and it's by Ascension Press, and I keep on checking, and it's still there. If uh, you're struggling with social media in your home, I, I just, you know, I, I read it when I was beginning my parenting journey, and I was so grateful for Teresa's wisdom. Um, she's, she's, she's really a source of inspiration for me. So I think having, uh, having her here, I feel a little bit selfish because I remember when I was working 100%, you know, corporate, and I found... Teresa, this dynamic Catholic professional. I thought when I grow up, I want to be just like her, you know. So thank you for the inspiration that you are to so many. I'm trying to remember, didn't we first meet at in, we went in Toronto? I was speaking at um, where was I speaking? Was it a renewal ministry? Yeah, it was the Lift Jesus Higher Rally. The Lift Jesus Higher Rally. Yeah, and, I remember that. Yeah, yeah and I fast friends, yeah. Yeah, and I, I keep on trying to get you to our Dynamic Women of Faith conference, but you're always bucked up. So. I know. Well, we'll work on that. That's that's still a goal of mine. I'd love, I'd love to come back to Canada. Of course, you know, being from Michigan, Detroit area, we're literally right across the river. So, and I love the Toronto area, too. It's a beautiful area. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I hired Teresa as a coach in preparation for uh, EWTN interview that I had. And so if any of you are looking for a coach um, or any of you are looking for help in how to sort of develop your skills professionally so that you can enter into the Catholic market, I highly recommend, uh, you know, visit Teresa's website. She's got so much to offer. Anyway, we're here today to talk about two things that are very close to my heart. One is Catholic motherhood, but more importantly, we are here to talk about Teresa's uh, brand new book. And the book is called, what's it called? It's called 10 Things. Everything. Coming up, Rosie. Rosie. Here it is, right here. Everything. 10 things my feisty Italian American mom taught me about living a godly life. Right here. There we go. Woo! And so, um, Teresa, can you tell me a little bit about what inspired you um, to write that book? And can you tell us, well, obviously, probably your mom, right? Uh, but also, yeah, I think it was a couple of things, uh, Dorothy. It started with the fact that uh, Rosie died three years ago on March 19th, the Feast of St. Joseph, which is very, I think, um, providential being that we're a very strong Italian-American Catholic family. And, and I didn't think my mom had the right send-off because when my father died in 2010, my father had an amazing, beautiful funeral. He was very involved in the choir of the parish. Both my parents were really involved in our parish, St. Joseph of Arc in the Archdiocese of Detroit. And his funeral was magnificent. The wake was packed. It had to put up more chairs. My uncles and aunts were telling funny stories from New Jersey about the old Italian neighborhood. It was a big celebration of my father's life. And I can remember being at my mom's wake at the same funeral hall, down the hall where my dad had his wake. And because it was right when COVID kicked in, my mom did not die of COVID, but she died right when COVID kicked in and all the shutdowns were going on. And so we only were allowed 10 people in the funeral hall. Oh. And for 10. 
that was it. And we had to stand, you know, six or eight feet apart, whatever it was. And I can remember looking at my beautiful mom in the coffin. And I said, mom, I'm so sorry. I just felt so bad. And I kept going back down the hall where my father's wake was held. And then we had to go to the cemetery. We couldn't get out of the car until they actually put her coffin in the ground. And so I didn't even have, I mean, it was, it was, she had the proper Christian burial, but at the same time, it was just, it was just awful. So I, I felt that I wanted to give a tribute to her. Plus I had been doing a talk called 10 things I've learned about living a godly life for many years based on the chapters in the book. And it was so popular because I had infused my mother's East coast accent into it and people loved it. And our mutual friend, Kelly Walquist from Women in New Evangelization said, T, you've got to do a book entitled Everything's Coming Up, Rosie. So Kelly gets the credit for the title. Rosie gets the credit for the content because she was just, as I say in the book, not just a trip, but a round trip. So there you go. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I took a little bit of a, a, a break from Midday Moms because after our conference, I was kind of like, <laughs> right. I was just completely, completely, you know, spent. But then when I saw that this book had come up, I was like, oh, I cannot not have Teresa talk about that book. Um, what would you say, Teresa, is kind of like, you know, I had a Polish immigrant mother and, you know, having her as a mother inspired me to write, you know, motherhood right. matters. Mm -hmm. And what would you say is the difference between kind of like a typical, you know, I was going to say North American manja cake mom versus, you know, having a feisty Italian mom. Could you tell us a little bit about what some of the differences might be? Well, I think if, if you can recall the amazing mother Angelica, right, who's Italian and very feisty and she's from the same area as my father, Calabria, Italy. And then if you add in, and you and I are old enough to remember uh, Marie Barone from Everybody Loves Raymond and Rose Petrillo from Golden Girls. So if you kind of roll those three all together, then you have kind of a combination of my mom. And, yeah. and so I think the difference between my mom and let's say other moms is that she was a lot like those ladies that they were filled with love, but they just let you let you have it when you needed to have it. And they, they told it like it was. And, yeah. you know, my mom, was, you know, she held nothing back, but she was a, a beautiful person. Everybody loved her. She had a great personality and everywhere I go today people still miss Rosie Posey so much so it's a combination she's very loving but at the same time she didn't take any any gruff from us I mean she let us know how she felt and she was you know quite blunt and um, I think we need that now I think we need a reality check and looking back on the sayings that she gave me growing up offer it up to God the blessed mother is watching you you know listen to your mother be nice keep smiling all those different things they're very theological even though they sound very simple on the top, but they're very theological and deep and have a lot of Catholic meaning. Yeah, and the, the, the one thing that struck me was like your, the opening sentence in your book. I, I just thought, bang on, Teresa, you hit it out of a park. Um, and, you know, you, you open it saying, do you do you notice how common sense really isn't that common, common anymore anymore? Right? And um, that that really struck me as being a great opener, because you look at our culture today and you look at some of the headlines and you think, oh, my gosh, if my mother were to see this, she'd be pulling out the holy water. Right. Right. Um, right. So, um, yeah. Can you make a little bit of a, a commentary on, you know, 
the the first couple of paragraphs in your book, or maybe, I don't know if it was the first chapter, but really made a commentary on some things that mothers need to kind of wake up to. Um, like, how do you see our culture maybe deteriorating? Or can you give us a little bit of a few thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't think any of us would ever imagine that we would be at the level of insanity. I mean, and it's just plain and simple where we are now, where people are, are saying, well, one day you can be a man, one day you can be a woman. Or for example, I was doing a story on my show this morning about today in America, the United States was bring our sons and daughters to work day. And I'm thinking, well, I'm surprised, you know, certain members of the uh, activists, you know, community haven't gotten on that and saying, well, nobody is really a son or a daughter. It's, it's just so out of control. And I think that what we have in the Catholic faith is objective truth. And we've gotten away from that. And my mother was just you know, very basic in terms of saying there is a truth, there is a reality, there is a God and you are not it. And so I think people are longing for this basic advice. And it's not anything too complicated, but when you read the chapters, I, I really draw from it. They're very theological. For example, you know, offer it up to God and put it at the foot of the cross is about redemptive suffering. And nobody wants to suffer in this world anymore. It's not that God wants us to suffer or he chooses us to suffer, but we are in a fallen world and we are going to suffer. How are we going to deal with it? I mean, I can hear my mother's voice in my head when I see these different stories because I'm doing a newscast every day and I'm putting a, a, a show together. And I don't know if you heard what happened at Cornell University a few weeks ago where the students actually got together and came up with this resolution that they demanded, demanded that the administration sign where they didn't want to hear la 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 anything bad that anything that would upset them about certain you know sensitive topics and that if they heard something that they didn't like they could walk out of class at any time without any repercussions. Now I read that I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, how are you going to survive in the world? Are you going to work with someone who disagrees with you? How are you going to have any type of ability to to function? I can just see my mother saying, yeah, like that's going to happen. Offer it up. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And so I think instinctively we know this, but I think we need to hear it again. And that's why I think the book hits home. I really do. And we put it out on Amazon. It came out on the 18th. What's today? The 27th. So nine days ago. And it sold out on Amazon within two hours. So it's back on Amazon. I know wow. you're giving some books away today. It's really, <laughs> it's really popular. So you know, you, you know why I think it's a it's a stroke of genius. I'll tell you that. I'll it's a stroke of genius. And I want to, you know, shout out to Kelly and shout out to you because we have hundreds and thousands and millions of cultural Catholics that have fallen away that aren't going to pick up an encyclical, right? They're not going to pick up an encyclical. But how many of us know a feisty Italian mom that we have loved, right? Right. My very best friend growing up, um, you know, she was Italian. I spent a lot of time in an Italian home. And uh, that explains uh, my lasagna thighs, I think. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I think you're going to touch millions and millions of lives because people maybe that wouldn't pick up a, a religious book are going to pick this book up because, you know, and it's such an easy book to give away as well. Yeah, huh? It's a great gift. It's a great gift for Mother's Day. And I think, I think men would enjoy it too, because if they, obviously, lots of guys have great relationships with their moms. And I think it'll give them insight in, into their mother. I love the cover. I think Sophia did such a good job with this cover. I mean, isn't it beautiful with the rose? And the it, picture of my mom was on her 90th birthday in her favorite Italian restaurant. 
And I love the fact that they put the wine in there, the pizza, the pasta, and the Italian flag. It really just, and of course, the Vatican at the bottom um, right corner of the book, it just really exemplifies we were as an Italian American Catholic family. So yeah, I thought it's very attractive. Lots of people are commenting on the, uh, on the cover. It, it is, it is. I, I just, uh, I, I just, like, I, I did get the uh, PDF copy, but I just can't wait to get, you know, my hands on a copy. Um, the, the other thing that kind of struck me, uh, Teresa, is in your dedication of the book, you know, you dedicate your book to your mom, which is so beautifully appropriate, and you comment on her wit and her wisdom. And um, the one thing that you said that tugged at my heart, and I thought, oh, Teresa, you and I have more in common than we even realize, is that despite the mother-daughter challenges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we had plenty. You know, it's interesting because if, if those who know me very personally know that my mother and I, I mean, we're both had the same personality, both very outgoing, very strong-willed, and we butted heads a lot, and we disagreed on a lot of things. I mean, mom did, my mom didn't know quite how to deal with me. Truth be known, I'm really a daddy's girl. My father and I were extremely close, and my father was, he raised three girls, and he was always telling us he wanted us to get an education, he wanted us to be able to take care of ourselves, because in his very old fashioned Italian American community, he saw a lot of women that were oppressed and he didn't want that to happen to his daughters. And so he said, if you wanna get married and have kids, that's great, God bless you, but I want you to be able to take care of yourself. So he was the one who really, I think, and my mom did too, but I think my father was the one who really instilled, you know, be able to take care of yourself, get an education because nobody can take that away from you. And so I took that and I really just, by the time I was eight or nine years old, I was like, okay, I'm off to the races. I wanna be a journalist. Where my mom, bless her heart, the only thing she ever wanted to do, and this is totally beautiful, and again, this is this is her choice. The only thing she ever wanted to do was to have children. She just loved children, as do I. But my focus was different. I felt God calling me into a vocation of media ministry, and her vocation was really motherhood. And so we kind of had a little bit of an interesting challenge in that area. But she was very proud of me once I got on the local ABC affiliate. She, you know, would watch me and everything. But she really, I don't know if she quite got that. And I had two older sisters, both of whom worked, but they also had children. And so my mother was very involved in their lives. And so it was different. We didn't have that same bond of the grandchildren. So there was a little bit of, a, of an edge there. But at the end of the day, I think what this book helped me do, and my um, pastor told me, because my mother and I <laughs> get into it quite a bit, and then St. Dominic, my husband, would come in and calm everything down because she just loved my, my husband. I mean, he would tell me to write a letter to my mom, write a letter to her after she died. And I never sat down and wrote a letter, but I wrote this book because I, I was able to, when I thought back about all the memories and all the things she shared and all the experiences I had going to the East Coast and visiting with my Italian American family, I was able to kind of walk in my mother's shoes and understand her a lot better. So I, it was real, it was really therapeutic for me, but it was not, as I said in the introduction, it was not a movie, a Hallmark movie relationship. It wasn't. And I think that's reality. I think, you know, if I were to sit there and say, oh, we had the best relationship, we had tea and cookies every afternoon. No, that wasn't. Forget, it. Forget about it. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. So I, I think it's very real as I am. You and I have known each other for a long time. I mean, I'm just real with people. I love my mom. But in reality, we all have situations with our family. But here's the point. Another reason I wrote the book. We're living in a culture that doesn't allow us to love people and remain in relationship with people with whom we disagree. And I think that's really sad, right? I mean, why can't we? Years ago, we could disagree. 
but then you'd be done. Okay, fine. You love each other enough to say, I don't agree on this, but, but we're brother, we're sister, we're mother, we're daughter, whatever. We can still have a relationship. That's not the case anymore. We have this cancel no, culture. Each other up. So that's another reason I wrote it where my mom and I were not on the same page on a lot of issues. She was much more liberal than I was in many issues. So we, we kind of would butt heads on different, you know, political races in the United States. But at the end of the day, she was my mom. And I was her baby and we loved each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing about this book is that you can have disagreements and still learn from each other and grow from that relationship. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes those disagreements are the very things, you know, that make you closer. Like I, I, right. know, my, I know that my sister was, you know, and still is like kind of like the caregiving type. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I'm, you know, that caregiving doesn't really come naturally to me. It's like something that I was like, oh, I remember when my mother was dying, right? I was speaking to the palliative care doctor and I'm like, is there a book I can read on like how to care for? And he's like, Buck, just go in there and help your sister, right? Like, cook a meal, wash some laundry. And, um, and, and so my, my mother and sister got along really well because my sister was like a nurse, right? She was loving yeah. and loving and obedient. And I'm like, well, why can't we have, you know, why can't we have female priests, ma? And then, you know, bo, bo, bo. And ma, you know, what's wrong with, you know, sex before marriage? Explain it to me, right? And it's just like, and she'd be like, oh, you're a heretic, you're a heretic. And so, um, and so, I think that, you know, oftentimes these different kind of arguments that we have with our mother are an opportunity really to learn more about the faith, to grow in grace, to, you know, fight it out, hash it out, and then, you know, kiss and make up and have a good glass of wine. Right. But, but look you know, at you now. I mean, look at how you've, you've come a full circle with the faith and everything. Do you think your mother would be proud in terms of- Oh, no, no, no. And, and it yeah. was- I met my husband at, um, you know, St. Michael's Cathedral as a lector uh, over 30 years ago. And it was actually my father's sudden death that had me full circle. You know, my dad's sudden death in Poland while he was on holidays got my butt to daily mass. And, uh, and yeah. so began, I'm always, you know, like how a crisis can can change us. Um, you know, the other thing I, I really love, just getting back to your book, um, the other thing that I really love about it is the format, you know, like you've oh, got thanks. these 10 yeah. incredible things that your mom taught you, but then every chapter has a prayer, every chapter mm-hmm. has a scripture verse, every chapter has quotes by a saint, every chapter has reflection questions, and I thought this is going to make an amazing resource for our Catholic moms groups. Yeah, moms groups and I think really women's Bible studies and also because I I always like to formulate it, Dorothy, because I never want to just leave people with something and say, oh, that's nice, so put it aside. I really want people to think and to digest and pray and to discern. And so I love the saints and we've talked about this uh, a lot, you and I, different interviews we've done. We can learn so much of the saints. So I tried to have a scripture quote after every chapter on a saint and then the questions, the reflection questions, and then different prayers. And then, you know, me with my journalism background, I had to put in a ton of resources and my wonderful manager, Gail Coniglio, was just a wealth of information. And so we organized this chapter with all the different players, the Hail Mary, Glory Be, Apostles Creed, the Holy Rosary, 
you know, the Fatima Decade Prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the morning offering. So let's say you're, you're a Catholic, maybe you're coming back to the faith after a long time, or maybe you're a faithful Catholic, but you're unfamiliar with some of the prayers or haven't said them in a while. It's never too late. And that's why I wanted to have this in the book, because I just think it's, it's, I'm always about the resources. Where can people, we have to always continue our education of faith. If we're here, God's not done with this yet. So yeah, I'm really proud of it. I think Sophia has done an excellent job of laying it out the way they did. And I love, I asked them, I said, can we please have little roses at the beginning of each chapter? And they did. Did you notice the roses? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful book. I would highly encourage. I'll, I'll definitely, you know, we've helped start over, gosh, over 70 Catholic moms groups now. So I'll definitely be yeah. getting the word out to you know, I've got mom's group in Minnesota. I've got mom's group in North Pole. We got mom's group. Oh gosh, I, get, I should have the list here, but I'll definitely be putting the word out about uh, your book is just a fantastic resource. Now, I know that you can't give away all of the 10 tips or <laughs> the 10 things that she taught you, but could you tell us maybe one or two, just as a bit of a tease for people that are thinking sure. of reading the book? Well, I, it's, you know, it's a, that's a great question. I think the first one is, is really uh, special because I heard this, my sisters and I heard this at the time we could, you know, barely walk. And she used to say with her Jersey accent. And so for people to know when they get the book, what I do is I phonetically spell out how my mom would pronounce words because she's still from the day she died, right, right up till the day before she died. She had that Jersey accent. As a matter of fact, my pastor came in and he was giving her, you know, the uh, anointing of the sick. And she looked up and she said, Monsignor, what the heck are you doing here? Am I dying or something? You know, so she had that that Jersey accent right up, you know, until the moment before she died, bless her heart. And it was so charming. Everybody loved that accent of hers, no matter how long we lived in Michigan. And I was born in Jersey City. We moved to Michigan when I was five and my mom died. She was 94 and she never lost that accent. As a matter of fact, I think it got stronger when she got older. So I phonetically spell everything out so people can understand. But she would say, Offa, A-W-F-A, Offa it up. <laughs> God and put it at the foot of the cross, C-R-A-W-S-E. Offer it up to God and put it at the foot of the cross. So I heard that all the time, whether it was I had a stomach ache, a headache, cramps, which ladies can understand. It's like, why would God want my headache and my cramps? But she was trying to teach us redemptive suffering, that suffering can be used for good, right? Romans 8, 28. So that's a very deep theological teaching, especially in the Catholic Church on redemptive suffering. And then she talked about, um, you know, remember. R-E-M, remember, and the A, remember, B-E-R-A, the blessed mother, M-O-T-H-A, is watching you. She would always say that normally before we'd go out on dates, right? So we'd have it in our head. Now try to do something fishy if you hear that in your head. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Is watching you. Again, that's very theological because of the role of Our Lady in our lives. When you've got that beautiful statue of Mary behind you, and she is our mom, Mary's our mama, and she's watching over us. And so what my mom was trying to do is say, look, there are consequences to your actions and people are watching you. It's really important that you behave yourselves. And it's interesting. I roll my eyes when I go out, you know, to, to my friends. <laughs> back, I think about how profound that was, especially in this world where people just seem to throw all kinds of, you know, decency and, and chastity to the wind and don't care about any of that. So that would be another one. Let's see, what's another fun one? Um, oh yeah, toward later in the book, 
don't get too big for those britches. But pull up, you know, those britches, that's a very old saying. And she told me that when I got into television, he said, I don't care if you're on TV, you're still my daughter. Don't get so big for those britches. <laughs> on Monday, when I heard the news about, uh, and, and many people are familiar with, of course, Tucker Carlson from Fox News and Don Lamont from CNN, both of whom were fired suddenly. And I'm not judging their hearts. I'm not saying that they were too big for their britches. But what I'm saying is, it was a sign that no matter how large you get in the world, how much success you have, nothing is permanent. It can be taken away from you. It can be taken away instantly. And I had that experience at a much lower level in TV news in Detroit, where one day I was the lead story on the evening news, the next day I was fired on the unemployment line. And so I think that the whole idea of not getting too big for your britches is super important in understanding that, you know, the only permanent thing is our relationship with God. And that's what we have to remember. And we're, you know, it's not about how much money we make. Not that we shouldn't, you know, it's, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, as scripture says. But if we get too caught up in who we are and what we do versus who we are as Christians, then, you know, that's not good. So those are a few of the teases, very basic, but very deep theologically. And you can look at things that happen in the world and tie them directly to what Rosie said. And, and, and where, if someone wants to get this book, where would they get it? Uh, they could get it at teresatomio.com slash Rosie book. They can also get it at the EW10 religious catalog. So EW10.com slash religious catalog. I do hope people grab it. It's really uplifting. It's a lot of fun. You'll laugh, you'll cry. And especially for Mother's Day, get, do yourself a favor. Get it for yourself. Kids, I'm a spiritual mom. I'm not a physical mom. I'm a spiritual mom. Get it for yourself. You know, God, buy a couple of copies and give it away. Yeah, I, I, I plan to buy more than one copy, that's for sure. Um, now, can I ask you one, you know, one or two sure. questions? Are you good? Or, um, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Is, was your, and, and forgive me, because I, I didn't read the book from front to back. I like to like underline and circle and scribble. So I, but it, it, was your mom born in Italy or was she born? No, my parents were born, both my parents are born here. So they're first generation Italian. Uh, they were both born in New Jersey, but they're uh, all the way back on both sides of the family. My mother's family comes from Campania, which is uh, the region of Naples and the Amalfi Coast, and also Basilicata, which is a beautiful southern area. And my father's parents both come from Reggio Calabria. So I'm 100% Italian, and most of the um, most of it is south. So beautiful areas of, of Italy. <laughs> and it was really neat because, um, you know, when my, when my mother and father met, and they had that Italian, you know, connection in common where my it's interesting my father spoke fluent italian his parents came over much later my mother could understand it but she couldn't speak it but the italian the whole italian thing was huge in our family all the time so it was, it's a very big theme so i i just really i really embraced it and i love it so much and i'm just very proud of it and i know for example in canada i know especially in toronto and windsor not far from where i live huge beautiful italian community gorgeous i mean Windsor, we have Erie Street, which is nothing but amazing Italian restaurants. And it's one of our favorite places. We consider Windsor, Ontario, a suburb of Detroit. So Toronto, huge Italian population. And many Italians actually immigrated and came from Italy and came through Toronto and stayed in Toronto. Some came down to New York, but a lot of them stayed in Toronto and then also moved down to the Windsor area. So, yeah. Yeah, no, because I, I guess I, I had wondered whether you know, what sufferings your parents, you know, because I, like I know my parents suffered tremendously, you know, like my, my mom's home was bombarded when she was 13 years old in Warsaw. And 
everything, um, her whole life was, you know, as a teenager, you know, destroyed. And um, I, I often reflect whenever I kind of want to bitch or complain about something, I think like, right. like, I, I think back to my mother's joy. And I think back to my mother's strength. And, and, and so um, did your parents sort of experience suffering that kind oh, yeah. of formed, I mean, I think that's uh, a great point although they they did they weren't born in Italy but their family immigrated to the east coast and so my both parents were families were poor I think my father's family much poorer than my mom's my mom had a family of 10 kids and so they didn't have a lot so what I talk about in the book is when I was complaining to my mom about not having pool I mean we were a middle class middle class family in Detroit I didn't want for anything. We weren't wealthy at all, but I had nice toys and nice clothes. And, you know, we had a nice, small, but nice house. And so there I was complaining about my life. I was so miserable because I didn't have a pool in my backyard. And my mother grew up in Jersey City, as did my father, where they didn't have a bike, didn't have sleds. Didn't have their toys at Christmas, they didn't really get toys. They got walnuts and they got oranges and candy. And then when my Uncle Angelo, the oldest in, in the family, started to work, they were able to get some dolls and some toys. But I think that the problems were that there were um, a lot of discrimination against a lot of immigrants that came into the East Coast and uh, certainly nothing compared to what African-Americans went through in terms of slavery in the United States. But there was a certain heaviness of the immigrants. The Italians were looked down upon, the Irish-Americans were looked down upon, the Catholics were greatly persecuted. And when they Polish, came to yeah, where I was like the dumb Polish, right? Exactly, right. Yeah. Or the different names that they associated with Italians, which were very derogatory. So I talk about that in the book and, and, and what it was like for them growing up in that community. And then when my father and my mother met, um, I, they just had such an amazing love story, an incredible love story. And, you know, there, there's that old movie, Steel Magnolias. I think we should make one about Italian or other immigrant women called, you know, Steel Tomatoes or whatever, Steel Pierogies or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, it was right for our Irish friends, because I think those immigrant families really struggled a lot. And but they were strong yes. and, they, and they survived and they lived through a lot and they still had their joy. They still had yes. their joy. Yeah, really we get so upset in this world about so many little things. We're so offended by this. We can't talk to this person. This person made me feel badly about something. You know, my mother would say, get over it. Suck it up, offer it up. Just like you know, <laughs> Mother Angelica would say, the cross is not negotiable, sweetheart. It's a requirement. Well, yeah, that's life, right? You know what I, I loved? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, I guess, share one of the little tips when I saw the, you know, <laughs> I, I have this memory of in the backyard because we grew up in the inner city in Toronto and we were very close to, you know, St. Stanislaus, the Polish church. And again, we didn't have toys, right? Like I made a Barbie doll um, car by with an old Kleenex box. And so, yeah, I had the Barbie, but I didn't have the cars. And, blah, blah. and I have this vision of my dad in the backyard. He had from somewhere, I don't know where, he found a wooden barrel. And, you know, he was working at the factory and then in the summer months he would go and sit in the barrel and you know let the sons you know and he filled up the barrel with water and I was like so water. oh so I you like the garbage can <laughs> story that's <laughs> yeah see that you can relate to that so friends what we're talking about is a chapter in the book that <laughs> I complained to my mom about not having a pool she told me if you want a pool go fill up a garbage can we thought oh, <laughs> that's a great idea so we did it <laughs> but the point of that 
is like your dad did. You make the most of what you have. You're not always going to get everything you want. A pool isn't magically going to appear in your backyard or a mink coat in your closet. You make the most of what you have. And so that's what my sister and I did. Oh, Eureka, we'll fill up a garbage can. Yeah, yeah. And I, so I, it, it brought back so many memories and I just yeah. burst out laughing and I, I fell in love with Rosie before I yeah. finished reading the book. So yeah. um, anyway, I want to encourage each and every one of you to pick up a copy, pick up five copies. I always say when I find a book that I love, I, you know, I remember Carrie Gruss's book, I think um, the book about Mary, um, I, I bought 25 of those books. Yeah. Because you know, it's just too good not to give out. So I encourage you uh, as a Mother's Day gift, um, you know, hop on Amazon or hop on Teresa Tomio's website, get multiple copies and then bada boom, bada bing, you're sharing the thing. Bada boom, bada bing, do the Italian thing, share the love, right? (laughs) Share the love, share the love, yeah. Okay, I'm just going to see if any of you here just before we close now, if do any of you have any specific questions about the book or Questions that you'd like to direct to uh, Teresa? I'm just scrolling through the chat box here just before we sign off. Um, Come Holy Spirit. Any questions? Someone says, I love Teresa. (laughs) Yeah, we love you too. And um, so if I don't see any questions coming up here, okay, that's good. Okay, no problem. Okay, so Teresa, I wanted to thank you. Thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us. And I also wanted to thank Gail who helped make this happen. And uh, we will be praying for you. We'll be praying for the success of your book and we'll be praying for all of the people that read it, that they- Well, thanks Dorothy. You are, you are you know, a sister of mine. Thank you so much for your support and for this book. I'm so proud of it. Everything's coming up, Rosie. Get a copy, friends. You're gonna love it. It's really fun. For all my Italian friends in Canada, I know there's a ton of you, my paisans, get a copy, share the love and have a pizza and a glass of wine. Listen to this. This is really fun before we sign off. So I was doing a, an interview with the Cleveland station in Cleveland, Ohio for their pledge drive. They're giving away the book. They're giving it away with a bottle of wine. Is that not perfect? Oh my I thought that was so great. Yeah. I said, now we've got to throw a chunk of cheese in there and we'll be good. We've got the cheese, we got the wine. So that's, anyway. Uh, that's fantastic. Okay. Uh, Caramia. Thank you. Um, Ciao, Bella. Ciao, bellissima. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Um, I love watched the Carol Burnett show last night. They had this two-hour special. She turned 90. And so, uh, as I always like to end, I'm so glad we had this time. We had this time together. Just, Just to have a laugh and sing, sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it, comes a time we have to say so long. Ciao. Bye, Bella. Thank you very much. Thank you, Teresa. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Bye-bye.